Hi, this is Janet Shines. Welcome to the JS Group Podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, you can do so by going to our website, jsgnow.com or Apple or Google. Please make sure you subscribe so you get all the great content. So today I want to talk a little bit about remote work and whether or not firms are allowing or enabling remote work. I think this is a truly important topic, particularly for channel partners who are looking to go out and help businesses through these very challenging times to have the right strategy around making sure the work gets done and their employees are safe. So the whole world's been talking about remote work and concurrently talking about getting back to business, uh, particularly the question of what happens to commercial real estate? Um, what Do we really allow people to work from home? We see Twitter saying they're going to allow people to work from home uh, indefinitely. We see other companies saying they're going to allow uh, work from home for a certain period of time. And allow is not the same as enable. And by the way, this enablement question is not an easy one. So the fact that a company's uh, knowledge employees or uh, office employees can work remotely for a few months while the entire world works remotely to self-isolate is a very different scenario from what needs to happen when we're back to real work as normal. Right now, if your video's choppy, you can't share an application, you're not great at your UCC platform when it comes to sharing, if your dog is barking, customers understand, uh, coworkers understand, uh, partners understand, and, and people that you buy from understand because they're just appreciative to have someone answer a question or move a project along or you know be at the other side of that video. But once people can leave their homes and could be in an office, with no dogs or kids and a good internet connection, that forgiveness level disappears. And with it, the perceived cost savings of remote work largely disappears as well. So firms that are saying employees can work from home, in my mind, either need to pay for or demand better work from home technology and services, not to mention the fact that there needs to be a better setup. You know, seeing somebody with a green screen whose back is to their kitchen and you can hear kitchen noises um, is not really acceptable generally for someone working from home. Now look, some of our mores have changed. People are going to be more flexible for uh, probably a good amount of time. But if I'm a partner, the conversation I should be having now with my business clients as they're considering this, do we stay or do we go back to the office, is is a difficult one. And it's one, though, that needs to happen because there will be minimum quality expectations that have to be met to allow an employee to work from home. That could be difficult depending on their task, expensive or easy. Now, alternately, those clients can bring employees back to the office, but they'll have to invest. And that's why so many are talking about remote work in order to comply with the CDC or other recommendations and make people safe enough to return to work. I mean, just consider the facts. Most offices have been reducing their square footage per employee for the last decade plus. The open floor plan, the five feet of personal space in total for people um, that's happening now clearly does not allow for the kind of 
isolation, distancing, whatever words you want to call it, that would be required to make people feel safe um, and or to requ- uh, conform with local or uh, national ordinances. And so I think it's an easy answer for many businesses and business owners to say, well, if I look at my current space and traffic patterns and things that would need to change, I'm going to need to double or triple my floor space to accommodate all these rules. And and if you even just use some of the less expensive square footage of $35, right, um, tripling that space for 100 employees would cost $1.3, you know, $5 million. Simple math, right? Now, there may be some savings as commercial square costs foot's decline, but building out that space and having the personal equipment because you can't have hoteling and upgraded ventilation and hand sanitizing and janitorial and all these things start to pile up. And so as you as a partner are having conversations with whoever buys the technology, there's a different conversation happening in the firm, which is around, it's likely at the CFO and the rest of the C-suite level and your mid-size enterprises. And in the smaller uh, companies, it's probably happening at their kitchen table uh, with their investors, which are their family. How much would it cost us to go back and go back safely? And this may be why a recent survey of uh, about 317 chief financial officers that was conducted by Gartner found that 74% of them plan to keep at least some of their staff working remotely. Um, and you know, when you hear about that, you also see uh, folks like Cornet Global uh, just in their recent survey saying that 69% of their members plan to use their same or smaller office as more people work from home. But the issue here is that people keep saying they allow their people to work at home. They're going to permit it. Um, so it's more of a culture decision um, and, of course, a cost savings decision because they can't possibly retrofit these uh, you know, open offices or small offices to, to allow for significant social distancing. But here's the thing. There's costs in either scenario. If you're going to close your office and enable, not allow, all employees to work from home, that's a daunting task from a technology standpoint if you're going to get them as good as they would be in an office. And that's the conversation that I think MSPs and system integrators and agents uh, across the globe need to have with their customers. Because to think about it, you know, the, the real estate argument is, is the easy argument. The real argument is how do you account for enterprise-grade technology, office equipment, and ergonomically safe workspaces for your employees as they return to work. We did a JS Group study here on this, on this dilemma, and we just tried to estimate some minimum costs for a knowledge worker to effectively work from home. So again, not allowed, enabled. And by the way, we did not take into account the fact that you can't work from your bedroom forever. You really do need an appropriate workspace that has enough space for you to be good. Now, maybe that bedroom does, but in many houses, people are working from kind of pop-up offices, if you will. And pop-up offices are not necessarily what's going to be accepted uh, in this, the digital normal, as people work remotely. So first of all, you're probably going to need a network upgrade. How do you let people stay on a consumer network that may be choppy? Again, right now I'm on video all the time with folks, myself included, who are working from home who need to say, oops, you know what, I gotta turn my video off because it's getting choppy, or my network is unstable, or everybody in my neighborhood started downloading things. So you're going to need an enterprise grade fiber to home or equal 
with some redundancy, um, some LTE, or potentially when 5G is uh, suitable for backup, backup. Because if you have a knowledge employee who needs to be connected all the time, they need to be able to have a secure and enterprise grade network with redundancy. And how much might that cost? Well, even assuming the lightest cost, let's hold aside construction or anything else, I would account for $1,500 per month for a company that needs to pay for that enterprise grade. Now, your customers may argue that they're gonna make their employees do that, that they quote unquote allow to work from home, that's fine, then you're going to have to work with your fiber providers to find a way um, to get an employee uh, discount the same way we do on cell phones, right? Because if it's going to be a bring your own network, it's going to have to be an enterprise grade secure network with redundancy. And that's not something that a consumer can necessarily go out and get a bid on today. You also need to enhance security and applications. Think about it from endpoint to VPN, identity management, um, your UC uh, C solution, making sure it's secure, secure storage, um, enterprise grade cloud applications that are business specific. No longer can people, even in the smallest firm, anticipate that they're gonna use the existing you know, thing that they're using. It doesn't work. That consumer grade does not work. And so when you think about this now, you know, not a workaround, but a truly people are going to work from home, you've got to enhance their security, particularly important for small and medium businesses who have uh, just started to wake up to the fact that they are now the target for hacking. So they're going to have to do all of these things for their employees. What might that cost? as low to from a couple hundred dollars a month to $700 a month. In fact, one of my favorite solutions right now uh, is a company called Privify. Uh, they have a really cool per month solution that's coming out uh, to go through the channel. And I think that might be an answer for this consumer grade enterprise need for security and applications. And again, if you got a free UCC uh, product during the uh, virus to use, you're going to need the enterprise grade level uh, of those. But it doesn't stop there because we also see reports of people sharing laptops with their family, sharing desktops with their family, um, using a laptop that may be in corporate on the enterprise network where they were already you know, uh, tagged into a whole bunch of print servers, et cetera, et cetera, may have appeared um, robust enough. Uh, they docked it there. But now if they're going to stay home, they're going to need, they may need a new laptop or they may not. They're going to need a docking station, screen, video camera, speakers, sensors, because for many employees, the, the uh, leader of the company is going to want to know they're actually working. A multi-line IP phone, that cell phone is not an efficient uh, communication device. And since most people have cut the cord, you're going to need some kind of multi-line IP phone, a secure printer and scanner. You can't just be doing stuff uh, in, in a non-secure way and potentially even physical security devices for people that are doing uh, work that really requires to be locked down. I mean, after all, we badge everybody into our building and we have certain areas that are badged, but then people are leaving their work on the dining room table, that doesn't make any sense. So let's just assume in the, you know, moderate scenario, $5,000 one-time fee. Lower if the employee has some of the equipment already in their possession, of course. And then, of course, the big opportunity for the channel is ongoing tech support. It's very different to support people who, in many instances, 
are commuting long distances in order to get to an office. So they're not near the hub of the office. So an MSP who was supporting this smaller medium business previously and could go in to do certain tasks may now need to go out and really far out. I just talked with someone yesterday who had a 58 mile one-way commute. So how do you, as a enterprise or a mid-sized business or a small business, support that person when they have a problem? So you have to assume some level of outsourcing to a local MSP for local support, plus an enterprise help desk of some sort. So let's just assume $1,000 per month to make sure that people have all the right upgrades, that they've done the things that they were supposed to do, that their, their, their sock level, their knock level, everything is cared for. And then finally, you're going to need that, you know, all ubiquitous insurance and, and miscellaneous category, including cyber insurance. You need training for these folks, uh, programs that actually make them feel connected, remote, you know, elements that make them feel like part of the team. And let's just allocate $500 per month uh, for those folks. So if you had a 100-person firm and you wanted to enact a full work-from-home-enabled policy, the outlay in year one, just assuming a 12-month running cost, would be a half a million dollars in CapEx and $4.4 million in annual recurrent expenses. And that doesn't include any real estate or lease forfeiture. And that's just the tip of the spear for the cost. Because futurist Adam Zuckerman is saying he can see this going as far as pods that are dropped off at employees' houses that include not only the needed setup, because remember, I didn't talk about office equipment or office space in their house, but so it's actually an office in a box, if you will, with everything needed for work from home without interruption. And that without interruption is pretty key because when isolation is over, no one's going to agree to still let a remote worker be childcare and dog care while they're on with customers or teams. So you could almost say in, in, in Adam Zuckerman's version, the she shed just took a turn into the me work instead of the we work. Um, so clearly this approach will be even more costly. And by the way, if companies are thinking, no, we're going to make people come back, based on Gartner and everybody else's research, many people are not going to go back five days a week um, or into the same real estate situation they were before. So that remote work is still going to be there as a hybrid approach. And that may be the only cost-feasible approach for many firms for the foreseeable future. So I think this is the big opportunity for the channel. As a channel, how do you go and have an opinion? How do you appear to be the expert? How do you get yourself in the virtual room with the C-suite of customers who are having these debates and make sure that you are clear with them about what it takes to enable remote work versus allow remote work. Now there's plenty of places that you can save them money to be able to do this. For example, Cloud and Thames Consolidation is a big opportunity. I love what Borstrom is doing uh, in the cloud right now. So taking down those cloud costs, because after all, so many people swiped a credit card for an extra large cloud when they only needed maybe a small or a medium one, or they may not even be using that instance anymore. So there's savings to be had on technology, but the conversation has to be had that the savings that these corporations are thinking they could see by enabling remote work is actually only them allowing remote work. And when the world returns to normal, 
the channel is the only option for them to return their remote workers to an acceptable normal as well. So I would start having that conversation. I would change my go-to-market. I would begin to talk about the real cost, the real reality, what it's gonna look like, what it needs to look like, and use that as an opportunity to get into these firms who are looking for cost savings and really run your business through that model. The CFO uh, or the owner should be your target here. And it should really be all about achieving most likely a hybrid work reality for the next year by using the technology and the security and the services that the channel offers. So I hope that that helps and it raises a perspective. If you have any questions, I'm always available. You can join me on Twitter at ChannelSmart or you can email me at jshines at jsgnow.com or of course just look for Janet Shines S-C-H-I-J-N-S on LinkedIn. I'm happy to engage with you and answer any questions about how I would go to market in this, our new digital normal remote work. Remember in closing, don't allow your clients to allow remote work. Work with them to enable remote work so that our technology continues to win. On behalf of the entire JS group, thanks so much for listening. And again, if you have not subscribed to the podcast, please do so by visiting jsgnow.com or Apple or Google Play. Thanks and make it a great channel day.